Whether disasters are happening on a global scale or in your personal sphere, these are difficult times that require prophetic insight from God in order to be at rest. This is Sam Solon inviting you to the continuing study of the book of Revelation. Now we are continuing to unpack Revelation nine, uh, Revelation thirteen nine, which says, "He who leads into captivity must go into captivity. He who he who, is, he who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword." Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. As I have said, we have typically heard and understood this scripture as a dire warning against mature and faithful saints to say that you are either predisposed to be taken into captivity, which is you're going to be imprisoned for your faith you know, by the, the troops who come in black uh, uniforms, come and kick down your door in the middle of the night, and lead you into uh, secret encampments where you're tortured and, and dealt with in that fashion. So if you are appointed for that, that's what will happen to you. And if you are to be taken from your home and, and put in concentration camps and executed like the Nazis did to the Jews in World War II, then that's what's going to happen to you. Except as I said, that was a direct quote of, uh, from, of the prophet Jeremiah, from Jeremiah 15 at verse 3, verses 2 and 3. And it, concerned, it was a direct quote that concerned Manasseh, the king who ruled over the southern kingdom of Judah for 55 years from uh, from B.C. 698 to B.C. 642. Keep in mind, of course, because you're moving down to the year zero or the year one, the year of our Lord, the Old Testament uh, is reckoned backward. The, The timing, the numbers indicating the years are reckoned backward in the Old Testament. So he ruled from 698 B.C., to 642 BC and that would be a period of 55 years. Now before before Manasseh, his father Hezekiah was one of the most successful rulers in the southern kingdom of Judah. He ruled of course from the year 727 BC to 698 BC. He was the one who constructed the Siloam Tunnel to ensure the water supply of the city, which is very significant in biblical reference and in Jewish tradition. And he he generally is remembered as one of the great kings of Judah, was viewed favorably by the prophet Isaiah. He made a mistake uh, in uh, 
being part of an alliance against the Assyrians. Um, and Sennacherib, Sennacherib was the ruler of Israel in that time of history, ruler of Assyria in that time of history. And um, he ended up uh, experiencing some defeat, but then God, Jerusalem was not conquered. That's when that tunnel I referred to earlier was so important. God caused a plague to come into the encampment of Sennacherib, Sennacherib's army, and uh, there was mass death and destruction amongst the Assyrian army, and they withdrew. Now his successor, uh, when he died, his successor was his 12-year-old son named Manasseh. And Manasseh ruled Israel, or, or rather Manasseh, Manasseh ruled Judah for 55 years. And again, in the years between 698 and 642 BC. Now, Manasseh had a very resilient reign and by all intents was, he made an agreement with the Assyrians and was generally left alone um, by the, uh, the Assyrians and ruled for 55 years. But this is what he did that was displeasing to the Lord. He promoted idolatry throughout the kingdom, he built pagan temples and even sacrificed one of his sons to the fires of Moloch, M-O-L-O-C-H, Moloch, uh, one of these ancient pagan gods. And there is an old tradition, this is important, there's an old tradition amongst the Old Testament uh, writers and even amongst uh, traditional Judaism that Manasseh is the one who executed the prophet Isaiah. So what did Manasseh do? He led people into the captivity of idolatry. What did Manasseh do? He killed by the sword. Isaiah was not the only one, uh, and it's, it's more of an, uh, it's, it's unproven, so we have to have more than just the fact, it is rumored that he killed Isaiah. He slaughtered all of his opposition and his reign was soaked with bloodshed. So, the judgment of God was full by the time of Manasseh and it was going to fall upon his successor, but God stayed the hand of judgment when uh, the, young, the king who, who replaced him repented and then his successor 
the, the king named uh, Zedekiah uh, was captured by the Babylonians. As the Assyrians were decimated, as the Assyrians were decimated and their strength was waning, Uh, the, the Babylonians were rising and Nebuchadnezzar the uh, Nebuchadnezzar the first the king of Babylon was arising he defeated the Egyptians in one of his famous battles and then he later proceeded to defeat the Assyrians and then he came for Israel. And in anticipation of Babylonian captivity, the prophet Jeremiah said, whoever leads into the captivity of idolatry and the worship of pagan gods, whoever agrees to that, whoever uh, lends their voice of support to that. And it wasn't just Manasseh. They overthrew the ways of God, sufficient so that uh, in the reign of, of Josiah, the successor, the temple was in ruins because Manasseh had given attention to the rebuilding of the, uh, uh, the Asherah poles, uh, the shrines of worship for pagan gods. The workmen who were in the reign of Josiah was a young king but a righteous king. The workmen were repairing the temple which had fallen into disrepair neglected by Manasseh and they discovered the scrolls, the ancient scrolls of the Pentateuch amongst the rubble. They brought, the workmen brought the scrolls to Hilkiah, the high priest, and the high priest when he read them was just scared because Israel had gone so far from God. I'm getting to something. This is less about the true saints, those who have held to the truth, and more about what happens to the harlot church, led by leaders who have brought in all forms of corruption in their pursuit, in their unrelenting pursuit of the love of money and personal popularity, they've created a ruin that, that amongst which the people of God wander like men, in a, men and women in a dream. And they, they are violent in the way they resist the truth. It was that condition that led them into Babylon. Babylon, the harlot. 
This is the transition from being followers of Christ to being uh, corporately that which is expressed by a harlot church. So when he says, who is to go into captivity, he, he who leads into captivity, what will be his judgment? He'll be taken into captivity. All these preachers who have led the people into the prosperity gospel, led them into the captivity of greed, in a time when the beast arises and controls the economy, they will be put to the task of finding their supply by agreeing, by agreement with this propaganda that redefines the truth in the most carnal and godless ways. But they were already predisposed to doing that. That's why they're taken into captivity who led others into captivity. And those who are killed by the sword are those who killed by the sword, which is to say, they shut up the door against the true prophetic. They shut the door against receiving the apostolic. We're seeing a lot of people rebranding themselves now as apostles. And we're even seeing some of the leading churches not wanting to be left behind the trend of apostles, they are recruiting famous preachers, television preachers, famous name preachers, and calling them apostles. <laughs> I, had the, I had the displeasure of spending hours with one of them, one of these recruited apostles, and I have to tell you, I was astonished at his lack of understanding of biblical jurisprudence, of the order of the kingdom. He, he let me know that what I was saying was too advanced for his audience. When I was, we're just picking the low-hanging fruit, it wasn't anything advanced. He couldn't feed his audience anything but pablum, because such a weakened people could be taught anything and manipulated in any way. This is the clarion call for repentance, changing the mindset. Repentance isn't just, I repent. Repentance is, I'm going to tear down the Asherah poles. I'm going to destroy these models of merchandising the gospel that I have built. I'm going to redefine the gospel con consistent with God's original intent. They're not going to do it. They will be spokesmen eventually for the new order of things 
because that's what the prostitute succumbs to. She dresses up and makes uh, and, and, and confers her beauty upon unsanctified kings. So Manasseh, Manasseh was the one against whom this dirge was spoken. He polluted Israel by bringing back pagan worship. I don't know if it was just what the Assyrian overlords required of him or what was in his heart. That's not clear from, to me from the scriptures. But either way, God attributes it to him that he led Israel into the captivity of idolatry. When, when, when Israel was actually taken into Babylonian captivity, what was the test? What was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Abednego what, what was their test? Their test was whether or not they would fall down and worship a false god, wasn't it? And they were thrown into the fire. Babylon as a whole is about religious slavery. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den as a result of a plot designed around the fact that he would worship the true and living God every day at a certain time of day with his window open toward Jerusalem. This set the trap knowing Daniel would not deviate from his faithfulness to God. It was about religious slavery, Babylon was. So that is an appropriate connection then to these matters spoken about the end of the age. When it says, he who leads into captivity, into captivity you'll go, that's judgment. But this is not judgment on the world. This is the judgment of those who dwell upon the earth. Meaning, those who claim to represent God, but in the core they're secular. They're money changers in the temple. And just as Jesus evicted the money changers from the temple and just as he spoke confrontingly to the scribes and the Pharisees and called them hypocrites and said that they had polluted the house of God which was supposed to be a house of prayer but they had made it into a den of thieves. Look, it's not the unbelievers who can do this, you know. They're not, in the, they're not in the house of God. They're, they're, con, they're conducting commerce in their own marketplace. The ones Jesus had to throw out of the temple were those who were the leaders of the people of God, the leaders of Israel. The ones Jesus called thieves and murderers the ones who murdered the prophets. These weren't the unbelievers. 
These were the apostate church. Do you remember what Jesus said to Jerusalem? He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets. The world doesn't care if you say you're a prophet or not. For them, the only value to it, if you, if you prophesy falsely, is to mock you with it and to say nothing about prophecy uh, is anything but self-serving blowhards. They don't care. So my point is that those who lead into captivity that, he, that he's talking about here in the book of Revelation, the 10th, uh, 9th chapter, uh, 13th chapter, verse 10, he's clearly referring to the judgment of God upon the religious people. And like Manasseh, the judgment of God upon the man and that cadre of, of uh, underlings who carried out his, his mandates, who ruled over Judah. And he's saying, you didn't represent me. You kowtowed to the Assyrians. Whether you intentionally did it or willingly did it, or it was just a term of your service, but you kowtowed to the Assyrians and you brought back idolatry in Israel. You let the temple go into ruins. You brought this destruction upon Israel. So every, all the ones who participated with you into captivity, they will go because they brought back the captivity of idolatry and godlessness to Israel. I don't know if I don't know if you are as offended as I am at the way the evangelical church has excused the moral the abysmal moral failure of the former president. You should be sick to your stomach. Men like Jerry Falwell Jr. saying, well, God didn't choose a Sunday school teacher to be president. And some, some of these witless prophets referred to him as uh, like, like uh, Cyrus. The ends to which they went and still are in defending the basest of men. I'm one who has said that the ultimate casualty of this descent into madness of the evangelical, the ultimate casualty of the rule of the former president, the ultimate casualty is the evangelical gospel, stripped of compassion, stripped of mercy, stripped of integrity, stripped of honor. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. 
It's a laughing stock propped up by, by people who called uh, the, the leader, who called the president um, Cyrus. No, he was Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the crazy one, you remember. That's the ends to which they've gone to justify their drunkenness with the power of harlotry. They wanted the imprimatur of the state at, and a will, were willing. These did not cleanse the temple. They brought in the vile corruption of the temple. They called a man like that God's appointed, the chosen one, and all the rest of that, and obviously he believed it. God selects leaders, yes, I agree, and to that end I say, God selected him, but not remotely for the purpose to which he's been touted. God held him up as a mirror in the hope that the church would see how thoroughly debauched the church had become. Wallowing in, in self-privilege and self-importance, grabbing with both hands everything they could get their hands around by way of supporting these, these notions. So many of the people under the rule of, of these leaders have no clue as to what the Bible says. They're biblically literates and are unrestrained by anything resembling the Holy Spirit. That's why they believe all this foolishness like the QAnon conspiracy and the rest of it. That's why. I am saying that the time has come for those who have led into captivity to be taken into captivity themselves. Those who have set aside the Word of God for nothing more than gain, personal gain, that being analogous to those who killed by the sword, a false word. You know, the, the, word of the, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God but a false word is a sword that deals the blow of death to those who listen to it. The scriptures say as much. They're bringers of death and destruction to the house of God. They've eviscerated anything that looks like the gospel in the minds of the popular audience. So what lies ahead? What lies ahead? God said, God said, if Moses were present, if Samuel were present, if they appealed to me to have mercy upon this people, I would flatly turn them down. We have come to the place where we are, we are within the sound of God's call to His people to come out of the harlotry of Babylon. We're going to hear that sound in the not too distant future. We've come to that point. It can't be saved. 
This church can't be saved. Its heart has turned to the coldness of a harlot. It does not listen to the Spirit of God. Now amongst it are people who yet want to hear the truth. And that's why we speak as plainly as we do. Because those people, when Christ is lifted up in the fashion in which He's being lifted up, they will be drawn to Him. The rest becomes the woman who in her wilderness, she remains in the wilderness, but clothes herself with scarlet and with pearls, with the cup of iniquity in her hand. Because when you do not choose the ways of God and yet you claim to represent God, He will give you over to the very thing that defines you. That's what it's meant by whoever is to go into prison will go into prison. Whoever is to die, whoever, whoever has killed by the sword will be put to the sword. A false word that has slain people, they will be taken captivity in that same will be They will be dealt with in the same way. And whoever has used men as merchant, merchandise, they themselves will be treated as just merchandise. A prostitute, you see, is no more than merchandise. Hard words, a clear sound, unmistakable, dividing between joints and marrow, soul and spirit, a clarion call, and it leaves no leaves no darkness in which to be shrouded or clothed. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But with the sound of the Lord, with the coming forth of the Word of God, everybody is being required to make decisions. What side of this equation are you on? I understand how easy it is to kill the messenger rather than change. I'm 70 years old. All I have to live for is the service of the Lord. Everything that I am about is speaking the word of the Lord accurately. So, That's why I do what I do. I hope that this sound resonates in your spirit. I hope you're among those who choose to see and see, to hear and hear. For then to you is given to understand the mysteries of the book of Revelation. We'll continue. We're making painfully slow progress, but we have to overturn all of these things that have been poorly presented or just erroneously presented by way of then 
laying the foundation upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Sam Solon. I'll have some more of the book of Revelation for you in due course. See you then. Bye-bye.